after the growth strategy and the content strategy, we go to the commercial plan. So the commercial plan is really thinking along what is the pricing of the products? What is the merchandising? What is the type of bundling? What is the repurchase plan? What are the type of upsells and cross-sells we can have? All the three important points we, we try to stabilize or work with the entrepreneurs uh, are the following. First, uh, MER, so paid uh, media uh, costs. We believe that going up to 25% uh, at the start should be the maximum to find a stable, profitable operation. If you're already going 30 35% uh, and you're not making that much revenue yet, you're just getting to uh, no man's land because you haven't found a profitable way to, to actually operate and you're already going above a threshold. We talk about uh, a couple of figures here that are key for, for entrepreneurs to get. Let's start with the gross margins. Yeah. Basically, we do a differentiation in the start of, of, of the PL. Uh, companies that have a product that have 70% and above gross margins, these are companies that we can place in the demand generation sector. These are companies that uh, they have so much more room left in the PL to spend on advertisement that they actually can afford uh, paid media and they can afford playing the demand generation game, the game of Facebook, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, so on and so forth. So on today's episode, I'm joined by an e-commerce expert who has successfully scaled to eight figures, sharing his proven five-step framework for profitably scaling your D2C channel to 10 million plus in revenue. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm Kunle Campbell, your host and chaperone with the promise to you that when you listen to any episode we publish, you'll take on fresh insights, really, really fresh insights. You can deploy as an experiment to grow or to X aspects of your own e-commerce business. This podcast has been specifically produced to support the growth of your brand through e-commerce as a channel. We do this by either you hearing directly from me or through interviews with other e-commerce operators with growth stories and from experts that are part of remarkable growth stories. So this episode you're about to listen to was an interview I had with Leo Caracas. He's a partner at an e-commerce venture growth studio called Jump Ventures, and also co-founder at a mid-sized phone accessories brand called Goldcase that generates over $30 million in revenue annually. I was incredibly fired up after this conversation because Leo was one of the few guests I've had on here that really impressed me. He shared Jump Ventures' five-pillar framework for infusing growth in the e-commerce businesses that they incubate and scale, which in essence is their framework to scaling from six to eight figures in revenue. He's achieved this feat in just 18 months for a few brands. We talk about growth strategy, content strategy, commercial planning, financial structure, data, and tech stacks. Leo emphasizes the importance of understanding the customer journey, channel diversification, and having a robust content strategy. He also shares valuable insights into the tools and strategies that have contributed to his success. Leo's expertise and experience in scaling e-commerce businesses offers invaluable lessons for entrepreneurs looking to grow their ventures. He says, you just have to deal with what is going to happen, but you can be more or less prepared, right? By listening to this interview, you'll gain practical advice and actionable insights to help you navigate the ever-changing e-commerce landscape. One powerful quote from Leo is, hiring has taught me a lot about how to try to find A players. It's not just about hiring just intelligent people. It's about hiring A players that have a culture fit with you. This illustrates his approach to building a successful team. Don't miss out on this opportunity to learn from an e-commerce expert who has successfully scaled businesses to eight figures. Listen to this interview with Leo to discover more valuable tips and strategies to growing your e-commerce business. So if you want a masterclass 
on a tried and trusted framework to profitably scale your D2C e-commerce you know, sales to eight figures, then pay attention. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Want to improve your e-commerce customer experience with the power of AI? Tidio, the highest rated live chat app on Shopify, has you covered. With Tidio AI-powered chatbots and live chat, you can automate up to 73% of recurring questions, providing excellent customer support while creating a personalized shopping recommendation that increases your conversion rate. Tidio not only resolves tickets, but also creates sales opportunities, making it a must-have for e-commerce operators. With dozens of e-commerce tool integrations and the ability to manage all communication channels in one dashboard, Tidio simplifies your customer interactions. And with the Tidio Plus plan, you get a dedicated customer success manager to help you unlock the full potential of Tidio's features. Join over 300,000 businesses in revolutionizing your customer experience with Tidio. Head to tidio.com slash 2x for a special offer and try Tidio for free today. Hey Leo, welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast. Hi Kunle, nice to be here. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. I, I'd um, come across, you know, Job Ventures a, a number of times and I was like, um, you know, who are the two geniuses behind this? I realized it was you and Raphael and this conversation just had to happen. Um, and, and for, 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 for good, for, for a good case that is. Right. So where, where are you based? I'm actually based in the Netherlands, uh, in Amsterdam. How's the weather? <laughs> the weather here is uh, bipolar. Some days you have amazing weather, other days you have a very rainy outlook. Fair enough, fair enough. It's the same like, like, like in England. Okay, so you guys, um, you've, you, you have quite an interesting background in the sense that um, you, you, you have an agency, you used to have an agency, and now you you have a a growth vehicle. You have almost like an investment, a growth investment, um, you know, um, venture. Do you want us to take? Do you want to take us back to how you got started? You know, your your childhood, um, your uni days, that sort of thing. What were the fundamental building blocks to to where you are now? What do you think? What, what, how far would you go to attribute? your your current state and success um to how far how far back would you want to sort of pick on that okay great let me go far back uh, and accelerate the story so i'm i'm a guy uh, i'm a person who always loved adventures uh i since i'm 14 uh 15 i've lived in different countries uh, either as an exchange student or uh, for the university, uh, uh, from high school level to university level. And I traveled a lot. So I always like to push myself and, and be uh, really exposed to new things, new people, uh, new uh, outlooks, and have basically a lot of adventure in my life. Um, that took me um, to different countries and also took me to a job in the corporate world for around five years where I basically traveled the whole world, uh, uh, Middle East, Europe, Africa, uh, as a consultant. Uh, and I got to, to really play around a lot in the business life, uh, as well as in the personal life, uh, to be exposed to a lot of different things. So that uh, is my true nature. Is I'm a person who likes uh, challenges and I'm a person who likes adventure and, and both the personal and the uh, and the business side. Well, I got to a point uh, in my consulting life uh, after five years that uh, I got basically tired of it. I uh, wanted to, to have a different type of experience. I wanted to maybe taste a little bit of the entrepreneurship, uh, the entrepreneurship life. Uh, that entrepreneur bug was starting to, to hit very hard on me. And one of my best friends from university, Rafael, which uh, is now one of my partners at, at Jump, um, he always had, uh, he, he went straight away after university. He started his uh, startup uh, life. Yeah. So I went the corporate way. He went the startup way. But we always kept in touch. We always kept uh, checking up on each other. What, what are you doing? What are the inter interesting things that you are up to? 
And when these five years hit, I basically said, okay, let's do something together because I, I have really reached my limits in the corporate world and I really like to, to try and do something new uh, uh, for myself. And he basically said, well, we have this project that is working really well. Uh, and this was just three months uh, of, of launch, which is GoCase. Uh, and GoCase actually, uh, fast forward, is is the market leader uh, in Brazil and uh, one of the top uh, brands uh, worldwide in the tech space uh, for electronics. Yeah, uh, But at that time, it was just a startup uh, uh, that was start- still validating its value proposition. But the challenge was uh, we started in Brazil. We think it has a lot of potential. Why don't you open the international office? So basically, we started the company and we internationalized within one year. Yeah, so it was already a huge challenge to try to make an e-commerce uh, company and a brand uh, work in a lot of different countries. So basically, uh, we started this journey uh, of entrepreneurship with GoCase, which was back in 2015. Yeah. What did you sell at GoCase? So we sell uh, basically phone accessories. We started with phone cases and then we quickly expanded to a bunch of other products like uh power banks, airport cases, cables, wireless car chargers. But the the main value proposition is design and customization. So if you go to the website, you're going to see thousands of designs. Uh, you're going to see several ways to customize that you don't see any other e-com uh, um, website. Putting your avatar, your name, a picture, uh, using filters, using even AI. So we even uh, integrating AI engines to to create um, differentiated products there. And this was our our ground to play and to play the entrepreneurship life, right? Uh, having an experience as an entrepreneur to try to grow a brand for the first time online, uh, basically focus on the D2C part. So this was back in 2015. Uh, fast forward, we had gone through uh, a very accelerated journey of growing this brand. We we basically grew it bootstrapped, um, totally uh, uh, self-investment, making our own mistakes um, throughout the eight years. Um, and within, I think, a time frame of three years, we had already hit eight figures. So it was a very accelerated growth path. Uh, How many years? Within three years, I think we already, wow. already hit the eight figures. So it was a very accelerated growth path. Um, it was a growth path that uh, we had a lot of help along the way of mentors and coaches. Yeah. Uh, but a path that uh, allowed us to to have the experience and, and commit all the mistakes uh, that, that could be done uh, to actually try to grow a brand and a company. Uh, from scratch, yeah. So after eight years, uh, basically after seven years, we I started having uh, another bug that uh, I wanted to have another challenge, right? I was starting to understand how can I um, get a, a new challenge in my professional life and get exposed to something new. So what what I really took with me was the way we grew GoCase was uh, we were able to jump a lot of obstacles by the help of mentors and coaches. So we were really helpful to get into networks, different networks, business, entrepreneurship, e-commerce networks, where we could have conversations with people that were five, six, seven steps ahead of us and just understand, okay, how to think about cash flow, how to think about hiring, how to think about uh, content creation, how to think about... Um, diversification of channels. So we got a lot of help there. And basically what I proposed to do uh, one and a half to two years ago was do the same uh, to companies that were in their nascent stage. So they were in the six figures. So I I basically went in my networks and I said, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, which uh, is still in the six figures and you would like to have coaching and mentoring sessions um, to help you unlock some certain things or, or just think along, I'm here and we will do this pro bono. Yeah. So this was an experience I had one and a half, two years ago, which um, I basically helped more than uh, more than 30, 40 companies uh, along the way now. But within one, one year, it was already 20 companies and it got me really inspired. I got a lot of energy from it. And we were able to actually, I was able to actually help uh, quite a few of these companies to scale and some to significantly scale. 
uh, and others, if they were not ready for scale yet or we could not really help them scale, at least structure them, structure them financially, structure their thinking, their prioritization methods. So I really got a lot of energy from, from this exercise. And I thought maybe there's something here. And that's when we, we actually came up with the idea for Jump. Uh, to actually help companies that are in the six figures to go to all the way to eight and possibly nine figures if they have the potential and we have the uh, resources and assets to do so. Uh, we created this uh, this company, which is a, a mix of an incubator and a venture capital where we go along the, the, the entrepreneurs and we actually execute their growth path. I hope this was summarized enough, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It makes 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 sense, makes sense, makes sense. So so so, Jump is a combination of an incubator and a VC incubator, meaning that um, you're putting these six-figure businesses in which you you identify certain potential, I would think, and um, you're investing initially your time. And then um, you you actually then have an equity stake through 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 an investment, and and then um, the the goal is to scale them from under one million to over ten million in revenue. Yeah, over a, over a time horizon of about maybe th- two to three years. Yeah, actually, we have the track record that we've been able to do so in one year. So companies that are the companies that are uh, within uh, one million average early revenue yearly revenues we're, we're getting mm. to 10x them to get to 10 million within one year. Um, yes, we are a mixture between an incubator and a VC because uh, we don't just help them in the beginning stages, product validation, product market fit, and then leave. No, we are there for the full ride. And we're not someone that just will invest a time or, or, or money or uh, anything and just start demanding results and, and just leave the operation completely up to them. So we are there for the full time. Uh, we are actually bringing our teams, our resource, our network to support the growth. And we are executing the growth of these companies in, in several layers, uh, be it advertisement, content creation, um, and other things as well. But we're basically along working together with the entrepreneurs to help them scale from six figures to eight figures. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So going back to Go Case, because I, I, because I, how, before we even get to Go Case, so how many companies have you to worked with uh, with with this um, under Jump Jump Ventures? So in the mentoring space, mentoring and coaching, which we we do a lot. Uh, basically, we do an average of. Uh, um, three uh, to four companies per month uh, now uh, helping out mentoring. So over this last two two years, I've been over 50 companies that we have mentored. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Uh, so right you, now. You, and we, so you're essentially formalizing that now in, in jump partners and jump ventures. Yeah. And we accelerate a very small portfolio of companies. Um throughout the year because this is the focus that we can have. So we can definitely not accelerate at the moment uh, 10 to 15 companies at the same time because it's not really, uh, we don't see that our focus is going to go the right way, but we have a very limited amount of companies which we truly believe have a very scalable business and we truly believe have a very um, eager and with the right uh, work ethic uh, founders. Yeah. So when we have this combination, uh, we really think we have uh, something very powerful to go, to go fast. And then when we put together the founders' expertise on the product, uh, on the customer and the experience with our expertise on the growth and how to, mm-hmm. to really uh, push the product to a, uh, to a next level, we, we get something powerful. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Hey 2Xers, I want to take a moment to talk about a service that has made a significant impact on product launches for our e-commerce brands. It's called Tread. Tread first hit the market in early 2020 and has since become the go-to financing option for over 500 brands, including big names like Rosum. In just one sentence, Tread can be described as the ultimate solution for purchasing inventory, allowing retailers to sell first and pay suppliers later. As an e-commerce brand owner myself, I can't emphasize enough how helpful Tread has been for our business. Their unsecured funding and credit model, which takes into account the current financial health of a business, has allowed us to access financing without worrying about collateral. We've improved our cash flow by avoiding upfront supplier payments and freeing up funds. 
This has enabled us to invest in larger orders, expand our product range, and even negotiate supplier discounts. And let me tell you, the flexibility is amazing. Tread offers a pay-as-you-go model with a flat and transparent fee, which means you only use it when you need to. No hidden cost or long-term commitments, just a simple and effective way to manage our inventory financing. The best part? Tread works independently of e-commerce platforms and requires minimal onboarding. It doesn't matter if you're a founder, CEO, CFO, or part of the finance team. Tread can be a game changer for your business. With taglines like sell first, pay suppliers later, and snooze your supplier invoices with Tread, it's clear that Tread is all about empowering businesses like ours to import the goods we need now while handling the invoice and allowing us to pay up to 120 days later. So if you're in the e-commerce space and looking for a smart, flexible financing solution, I highly recommend giving Tread a try. Visit their website on treyd.io. That's treyd.io to learn more and get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. That's a very, very important point you made where, where you're talking about the fact that the founder has that focus on, on product and the customer, which in which in of itself is a customer experience. And then, you know, that that is separate, but should be integrated with growth, which which is what you bring. It's I've not really seen anyone articulated that way. So you do all of this while also running GoCase. Now to give people some context of the size of GoCase, you're you're over 200 you know employees there. Do you want to sort of speak to to the growth trajectory to to where GoCase is as a company and how you you know how how you sort of built it to 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 what it is? Yeah, we are in the mid eight figures. Uh, we have um, almost 200 employees, or a little bit over 200 employees at the moment. We have completely uh, um, grown uh, the company and as a full fledged company uh, at the moment, having a production uh, facility, having production employees, having finance departments, development uh, and engineering departments, design. Uh, growth, marketing. Uh, so it's a full-fledged company that we grew from scratch. Uh, this was the company that we had a lot of experience on what really is necessary to have in-house and what we should uh, try to outsource. And this was also a company that we got to play with the full scope of an e-com uh, uh, ecosystem from supply chain and production all the way to um uh, to sales and and marketing, right? So we were able to build uh, the company and all its departments and people uh, from scratch. Um, so this is the scale of the company, which doesn't operate only in Brazil, but is worldwide. So it's a company that uh, sells to the whole world with a bigger focus in, in the North American market, European markets, uh, and Brazil. What is mid eight figures? Is, is that 30, 30 million, 50 million? Yeah, 30, 40 million. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And you're bringing that expertise into Chomp Ventures. Yes. Okay, now I'm getting very excited here. What is the growth methodology? You might have a, I know there's no one size fit all, but there is likely going to be an approach when if I bring my brand to you, my six-figure brand, you have that roadmap to my, you know, seven, to my eight or nine-figure so do you want to sort of break that um, you know, framework if you, if you do have one? Yeah, for sure. We have a framework to, to see how to work and consistently improve the brand. Um, and what we really understand, we'll try to understand from the beginning is, do we have a validated product? Do we have product market fit here in this brand? And does this brand has the assets to actually scale over time? Yeah, we see this with KPIs. So first of all, we look at the product reviews. This is the first KPI that is going to tell us uh, the level of product market fit uh, that the, the brand currently has. So if it has above 4.6, 4.7 out of five stars, it's a product that is, has been validated by, the, by its customers. 
if we see that uh, the retention rate, repurchase rate is above 30%, meaning that people are really coming back to the brand to actually repurchase new products or the same product. It depends on, on what the brand actually sells. Um, the AOV, if we see that the AOV uh, is around $75 or has the potential to continuously increase over time. So we see brands that uh, have an AOV of $20, $30, $40. But if there is the potential to continuously increase this AOV uh, but also, or also to continuously increase the repurchase rate, we see a path for growth. Yeah, this is just important because the, at the state of uh, digital marketing at the moment, it is really tough to make a profit if you have a uh, low repurchase or if you have products that are below 50, uh, $50, 50 euros uh, AOV. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, depending on the context as well, you need to have a really high uh, conversion rate. So meaning that uh, depending on the traffic sources you use, how much organic traffic is coming uh, along and what is the AOV, Generally speaking, um, if you have a conversion rate of about 5% uh, and you have uh, AOV around 50 to $75 uh, and you haven't pushed that hard on paid media, uh, you are in a good space to continuously grow. Yeah. So we have to contextualize a lot, not to, to say uh, this is the defining metric and figure for each, uh, each brand. But uh, it's when we are able to contextualize all of that, then we start our framework for growth. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so that's a pre-qualification before even the framework is applied. Yeah. Um, they, they must have found, you know, product market fit, ideally not through paid. So it could have been like, you know, through influencer marketing or through community, for instance, yeah. and then AOV of 50 to $75 or more, yeah. a repurchase rate of 30% minimum. Yeah. And then, um, Conversion rate of 5% is quite high. <laughs> You'll be amazed at how many companies are sitting with that conversion rate and don't know the power they have on their hands. Uh, <laughs> You'll be amazed. And uh, I mean, I, I talk about 5% just to give people an anchor. If you are at $50 and you have 5%, what does it mean to have $150 uh, AOV? What does it mean the conversion rate is? can be way lower, right? But it just means it's still powerful. At the same, okay. uh, if you have a $20, uh, $10 product and your conversion rate is 8%, okay, you can also be comparable. But I'm I'm pretty confident that if you're around the same proportions, once you start pumping in paid media traffic, okay, this is going to severely go down, right? Um, so this is a safe state, okay? It's not a, it's not a rule. It has to be like this. We have seen different cases, of course, but this is a state that, okay, you're in a very comfortable situation to scale. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's jump into the framework. Yeah. So in the framework wise, uh, the first thing we try to analyze, what is the, what is the growth strategy we can put in place here? Which channels are available? Uh, which kind of technology can be behind the brand? Which type of uh, revenue buckets uh, it can have? Subscriptions, one-off. So we try to really lay down, is this a product? Is this a brand that can grow? Uh, through Meta, through TikTok as well, to Snapchat, how big is the CRM pie that can uh, that can uh, that we can unleash here? So we try to really understand uh, on a bigger level where the brand is, what the, what is the size of the market, and then how can we push this on paid media? So this is the growth strategy and uh, uh, and basically ecom uh, channel level, right? Second step is the content strategy. Like for us, there is no growth without content. It's really a crazy amount of effort, but pays off on the content side. So how can we actually enable content creation, build machines behind content creation, uh, bring a lot of UGC, a lot of influencers, and have a, a, a system to constantly test new content. If we can... If we can really build a content machine for these brands, then they have uh, uh, yeah, the fuel to burn for the scale. If they don't have, for us, it's like, forget about it. We cannot scale it. If there's no, not a good amount of content, uh, it's not part of our playbook on how to scale this brand. Yeah, So content is a big part of the playbook. Well, what is a good amount of content from your point of view? Look, we really work with brands that are um, shipping at least 15 to 20 creatives a week to be tested. 
yeah, uh, to be tested because we know that uh, to get that really outlier content, that content that can be scaled to to crazy levels, uh, they they are not uh, showing up uh, one time. Um, out of or of three or of four, it's really once out of uh, out of fifty, out of hundred sometimes. But if you don't have this consistent method to test, uh, you're never going to find it. You're never going to find the, the diamond in the rough, right? So we're looking for the diamond in the rough, not the average, right. average uh, content. The, we're looking for the outlier. So fifteen to twenty content uh, content test per per week for us is a good uh, is a good level to to actually find the diamond in the rough. Yeah, and it's a big part of the playbook. And then what, what is the breakdown of the content um, from a UGC to, to a brand to, 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 to an IGC? Um, how, how do you sort of ensure that there's, 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 a, there's an equitable contribution from, from various content sources or do you, do, do you recommend any, any formula? That's a good question. Uh, we believe every brand has a formula and it's, there's not one, one, one size fits all. Yeah. And, uh, our job is also to get to that formula. So, um, there are brands that have a lot of UGC. There are brands that the, the product itself just brings a lot of uh, of attention from the customers and it's very natural for customers to be posting, sharing, etc. And there are other brands that is really not. And you really need to rely a lot on studio type of, of, uh, of uh, footage. I mean, studio uh, means self-made, uh, uh, internally created uh, content. And you also need a healthy mix of, uh, of influencer, uh, um, yeah, clips, influencer, uh, uh, creatives. So for every brand, we believe there's a formula to sell that product the right way and in the converting way, yeah? But there is not a right amount of dosage for every single element of the formula. It's not like it has to be a 30% UGC, 30% influencer, 30% studio. Sometimes it's 100% uh, a customer base. Sometimes we see the outliers are really on the, the ways that the customer are talking about the product and selling the product and the USPs to everyone else. We have seen a brand yeah. that relies completely on just customer testimonials, completely on how the customer is is uh, is doing it. And then you can edit this uh, in a customer does a testimonial of two minutes. You edit a 30-second version, a 15-second version. You add a little bit there, a little bit, uh, a little bit here, a little bit there. But overall, uh, it can be 80% uh, uh, UGC and uh, 20% studio. But there's a formula, you know, getting to that formula is one of the biggest challenges, of course. You figure it out. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Okay. So going back to the framework, you started out with paid media. Um, then we moved on to content strategy. Is, 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 are there any other key, um, key, key, key elements? Yeah. So after the growth strategy and the content strategy, we go to the commercial plan. So the commercial plan is really thinking along what is the pricing of the products? What is the merchandising? What is the type of bundling? What is the repurchase uh, a, a plan? What are the type of upsells and cross-sells we can have? So thinking along with the, with the entrepreneur to see, okay, what do you have in terms of portfolio? How can we price it? How can we bundle it? How can we propose it in different times and in different uh, uh, customer journeys? This is key to actually Constantly increase AOV and constantly increase conversion rate. So this is the third part that we work uh, very, uh, very heavy on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then what? Um, so from a pricing standpoint, I I do get the commercial plan one hundred percent. You know, you're looking at the price, you're looking at the product, you're looking at um, you know the bonding opportunities. Where. Have, have you seen situations in which, um, you know, pricing strategy is just the, the, the existing pricing strategy is just not fit for purpose and you come in and re-engineer it and that in of itself, excluding content strategy or, or paid media, sort of, you know, changes the AOV, for instance, or it, it changes the repeat customer rate. How, how, how important is is pricing and merchandising in, in, in optimizing growth. Absolutely. is one of the most important things an entrepreneur have in terms of power to constantly play with. Like we've seen mm-hmm. increases of 100% month over month, uh, 50% on AOV, just f- from playing with uh, uh, pricing bundling strategies. 
Yeah. So um, first concept I would like to share is the magic number. There's a magic number for every product. But a lot of you, so many interpreters don't think about that. They put a, 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 a number for the product that is completely broken. There's a lot of psychology behind uh, product pricing. Right, uh, and I actually had read some books on, and it's enlightening how how you have to think about product pricing. But overall, if I have to summarize it, there's a magic number. There's a number that you put there. It's a round number. It's a number that uh, it's close to something that is is uh, um, understandable to the customer, and he's going to make a quick decision. If he has to think and interpret that number, what does that number means to me? What is this number compared to what I usually buy? When it starts to get too difficult and the customer has to interpret the number to make the decision, then you're in the wrong wrong place. It's like it's almost like uh, saying this is, and this is why there's a lot of ninety nine. Nah, so this is forty nine ninety nine. Okay, it's just fifty. It's just below fifty. Well, fifty for me is a night out. It's a, it's a, it's a dinner. It's a, okay, and this is going to give me this much more. So you have to constantly test and find what is the magic number for the product. So just trying to find that magic number is super important. Yeah. And the second yeah. point is the AOV uh, for the bundling. So if you don't constantly try to bundle products, bundle offers to get to a higher state AOV, you just not really uh, setting yourself up for success in terms of profitability. Because we know when the paid media way is very tough to make a, to make a nice profitable uh, order, yeah, if you're not in the right AOV uh, uh, state. So playing around with how can you do merchandising of oh, one for this, three for that. If you uh, buy above the threshold, you get free shipping. If you buy this one, you get a free gift. If you buy this one, you get a surprise. So, so if you're not playing around with uh, the merchandising and the bundling, you're just missing out on a huge opportunity to immediately increase your AOV. So we saw companies, uh, last year we had a case that, uh, well, basically completely changed the company scenario from a, from a $35, $38 AOV to an immediate immediate $60 AOV from one day to the other, just because we added bundled products uh, on the mix. And uh, that just, yeah, uh, changed the balance of, of the AOV of the company and the profitability. Where is the best place to offer a bundle in, in, in on-site CX or on-site customer experience? Well, we believe that the bundles that, that there's two basic uh, uh, machineries that we use to to increase the AOV. You have the um, the upsells in the product page, right? That is just a checkbox, and that's a very quick, quick and easy uh, uh, growth of AOV. But we don't believe this is the most impactful one. The most impactful one is actually coming up with bundled products which are very visible in the pages that people are landing. If that's the home page, if that's the a category page, if that's a specific landing page, you need to give visibility, high visibility to a bundled product. That's it. If that's going to be yeah. the category or the landing or the or the home, it doesn't matter. It's just a uh, I agree. I agree. I agree. And then you speak to the benefits of of that bundle, you know, together. I agree. I agree. Super, super interesting. Okay, so we, we spoke to, so the first point, I never really went deep into the first point, which is the paid media slash growth plan. Do you want to just quickly break that down in, from your methodology, please? Yeah, I will. I will um, can I speak about the last point of the, of the framework? Yeah. Go for it. Go, just go to for finalize it. Go the story. It. Um, it's yeah. the financial structure because it's super important for interpreters as well. So one of the things mm-hmm. we, after we do all of this, we have to really think about how uh, is the company set up for success in terms of finances, right? How are they thinking about cash flow? How they're thinking about the PL? Where uh, do we have room to optimize? Where we see things are unsustainable? Because overall, if you, if you have to scale, uh, you need to set profitability targets. You need to set uh, revenue uh, uh, growth targets. But overall, it needs to be sustainable. You need to be able to afford your own growth. So we come in and we really try to understand a PNL. We have a very clear picture of what a good e-commerce company PNL should look like in terms of percentages and in terms of uh, growth levers. And we try to see and match uh, where is the company at the moment and also how they are thinking about financing, how they are thinking about cash flow forecast. So this is a super important piece of, of, of the framework. And last but not least, uh, uh, the 
data and tech stack. So we take a lot of, of decisions based on, on the data. Uh, we use a lot of different apps and, and have a tech stack to uh, to support analysis on the on the on the customers, on the channels, on the AOV, on the products, because this is the the, the everyday insights that we're going to take to fuel uh, our activities. So overall, if you have the growth strategy, the content strategy, the commercial plan, the financial restructuring, and then the data and tech stack, then we have uh, all that, it, that we need to, to really take the yeah. company to the next level. What does a, a good e-commerce P&L look like? Great. So we talk about uh, a couple of uh, figures here that are key for, for entrepreneurs to get. Uh, let's start with the gross margins. Yeah. Uh, basically, we do a differentiation in the start of, of, of the PL. Uh, companies that have a product that have 70% and above gross margins, these are companies that uh, we can place in the um, demand generation sector. These are companies that uh, they have so much more room left in the PL to spend on advertisement. Yeah, uh, that they actually can afford uh, paid media and they can afford playing the demand generation game, the game of Facebook, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, so on and so forth. Companies that have 60% and below, 50% and below gross margins, they're in a very tough space to actually play the demand generation game. So they should be ideally in the demand capture game, which is the Google Google part, which is really okay. people, the demand is coming. You don't, you're not really uh, uh, generating that demand. The product has to sell itself. Right, so we separate there. If you are in a seventy uh, percent, your demand generation. If you're fifty percent and below, your demand capture. And of course, you should always try to understand how can you optimize there, so you have more room for advertisement. This is basically how we think. If you don't have enough uh, gross margins yet, well, let's think about the pricing. Let's think about the the production costs you currently have, the import costs you currently have, so you have more room to actually advertise. Because if you cannot, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough to to systematically grow. Yeah. I like that. I really, really like um, the point on on demand generation and the seventy percent, you know, um, gross margin, which gives you a lot to to spend, you know, across, and and then the the sixty percent, you know, um, for for demand capture. That that is really really interesting. Um, are there any other points in the financial structure? That um, that 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 listeners should be aware of um, when it comes to to to, to just assessing their financial For health. Sure. Uh, the other three important points we we try to stabilize or work with the entrepreneurs uh, are the following: first, uh, MER, so paid uh, media uh, costs. We believe that going up to twenty five percent at the start should be the maximum to find a stable, profitable operation. If you're already going 35 percent, uh, and you're not making that much revenue yet, you're just getting to uh, no man's land because you haven't found a profitable way to to actually operate, and you're already going above uh, uh, a threshold. So when you're able to go maximum twenty five and consistently go with profitability, this is what you should aim for. So the the MER side paid media side. Uh, second point is logistics. So B2C logistics to the end customer. Uh, we try to work with a maximum 15%, but uh, target at a 10%. So if you are between 10 and 15% uh, of your cost structure uh, is your shipping uh, cost to the end customer, then you're at, uh, at the okay level. If you are 15% above, then it's a tricky situation to actually uh, um, yeah, be profitable. Uh, you really losing too much money on shipping and you should find a new uh, pricing structure yeah or renegotiate yeah. with your with your uh, careers uh, and the third one is the payroll uh, payroll side of things so we really aim at a 10% maximum 10% if you're going way way above 10% uh, it's just complicated uh, to scale we just have uh, you're putting a lot of weight in the payroll and you should find a way to to get more lean to be more lean uh, to work more with freelancers with agencies or whatever maybe that is a variable cost and is not so heavy to carry month over month so when you work with a 10% maximum payroll uh, uh, cost then you yeah you are a lean company that can achieve profitability uh, by the end of the month so if you just start deducting those things you see already you're not left with that much uh, profitability right yeah. so these are just the baselines yeah. and board that we, we we tell entrepreneurs to to think about. So spend twenty five percent on marketing max, ten percent on shipping ideally, another ten percent on 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 payroll, 
which which comes about 45 percent there's not much left really yeah if you think about okay. the demand capture business it's not much left right it's almost nothing and yeah, if you think yeah. about the demand yeah, yeah. 45 yeah. 60 yeah because already it's it's 55 percent left and you're like you know if, if, you, if you're not covering gross on there so for one million dollar company you should be spending maximum of 100k in in payroll I want to just go into the nuance of the PNL. Um, so in some stores, many stores, in fact, um, you might have some SKUs that are like high margin, yeah. 80%, 70%, and then others are low margin. Um, looking at the average might be, um, might not do you enough justice in terms of your marketing strategy. So you might, would you execute demand generation on a product, just one product or, you know, the group of products that are like um, 70%, 60% over um, gross margin versus the the others. How, where do you serve, what, where do you look at the gross margins of the product level or the PNL level? PNL level. Look at the PNL level because right. overall you're going to right. look at consolidated figures. In the end, what you want is to have a, a good profitable business. It's not a good profitable one purchase. Right. So uh, when you look at the whole picture, how you bring traffic, how much does this traffic cost? What is your AOV? Then you start to mix the right or, or play the right buttons to actually get to the net profitability. If you're going very nitty gritty and making a, a, a calculation of how much gross margin I have on this product, and then, then you don't, cannot even sell the product itself, you just waste the time. You just waste time. Like you need to think. And even if this product that you are actually able to advertise, uh, because our formula is really thinking about what is the hero product that we have and how can we create hit content with this hero product? This is the baseline. If you can get that to work, you can get traffic to the website. If you can get traffic to the website, now it's working on the e-com side. So what is the pricing? What is the bundling? to make sure that overall you're going to get the right AOV to get the right profitability. So I wouldn't go very nitty degree. Of course, you need to give boundaries to, to not have something that is you're not making money at all. But uh, uh, having that comparison for us, is, it, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't do any uh, good. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Let's speak to your first point, the, the growth strategy. Do you want to just give a quick rundown of what a growth strategy looks like from, from, from a jump um, ventures point of view? Yeah, so from, from looking at uh, uh, several companies, uh, we understand what is the potential first of a CRM uh, channel. Yeah, because one of the things people overlook a lot is how much power and how much good does email and SMS uh, do for your for your bottom line and uh, your repurchase, right? So we we try yeah. to look at the growth uh, at the growth strategy first, looking at how they acquire traffic, how much has been paid, how much has been organic, and then how much are they actually monetizing from their CRM channels. We believe a good uh, a good uh, company has at least on last click thirty percent of their of the revenues coming from email and SMS. That's uh, that's a healthy. Uh, the healthy level to be at uh, and constantly evolve uh, to make sure that you're profitable in the end of the day because you have fixed costs uh, with uh, Clavio or whatever email provider you might have. Um, and this is, is, is pure profit afterwards. Yeah. So we think mm -hmm. about how does the traffic, how is the traffic currently acquired and how are you making use of your CRM? So thinking about how much room there's still to grow there and depending on the product, how much room for repurchase, how much room for subscription, so on and so forth. So this is the first thing we look immediately, yeah? Then the second, we try to think about which paid media channels uh, uh, are available. Of course, the, the, the initial suspect is always a meta. So it's always possible to sell something with meta or, well, depending on the product, given violations of, of, uh, of uh, policies or, or, or so on, you cannot really advertise on, on meta. But we work with products that really can be advertised on, on, on all platforms, right? So the, the initial suspect is always meta. And how can you actually grow on meta? Um, is it uh, with videos? Is it with pictures? Which channels? What is the actual potential that you have to grow on meta? Yeah. So uh, after we investigate and we try to make initial tests with meta, we understand what is the cap? that we're going to have there uh, with meta channels. And then after we have the cap, we really double down on meta. Okay, what's the next 
best channel that we have to start diversifying. This is also something uh, entrepreneurs get a lot, uh, lose track a lot, is they try to diversify into way too many channels or try way too many things at the same time without even having kept out of their first and initial good uh, channel, right? So we start with meta, we start to understand what are the levels we can get with the meta, um, understanding how to get better at content with meta, uh, and then we try to diversify to a second channel, which usually nowadays is TikTok. We're getting amazing results with TikTok. We're seeing the, the platform getting better and better. It is volatile. Uh, it is volatile quarter over quarter and sometimes even month over month. Yeah. But if you keep uh, your eyes open and you're always testing something there, you're going to find uh, uh, the gold in some uh, um, in some months. Yeah. There are months that it's uh, performing crazy good and there are months that it's really terrible. Uh, but if you constantly keep your eyes open and, and test, you, it can be a really good uh, platform to, to, to advertise. Yeah. And then th- there are uh, brands that do work on, on, other, uh, uh, on other channels, uh, Pinterest and Snapchat, for instance. We have seen cases and we have cases that uh, are working actually pretty good with Snapchat. Uh, but I have to say with Pinterest, uh, I haven't touched any business that worked pretty well with Pinterest advertisement. And that's, uh, uh, that's the only thing I can, I can say about that. Now that's the whole paid side. Yeah. That's the whole paid side, right? Now, organic sites, we have seen amazing uh, uh, results with other entrepreneurs uh, that have run business completely organic and they made it work on TikTok, they made it work on on Instagram because they build communities, on Facebook because they build communities. but the organic play is not really our play. So we're not, uh, we're not really focused on consistently growing brands uh, via organic uh, uh, growth strategies. So it's more thinking how to double down on the initial platforms that you have, how to extract the maximum there, and then start diversifying and testing on other platforms that your product for whatever reason might be a fit. Yeah. So we haven't, I have to say it very honestly, we haven't found out why a product really works on Snapchat and it doesn't uh, or it doesn't work on Snapchat, but we're just testing. It's a, it's a constant test and iteration uh, uh, business. And as as soon as you constantly, as as long as you constantly uh, test, you might find uh, a new uh, platform to work for the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you stabilize in the primary, you know, channel from from a paid perspective, and then that gives you leverage to to test to to really really test yeah. all the channels. Speaking of which, who who who's your best experts, or what's the best resource you think, from your opinion, on the organic side of things? So from a community building standpoint, who should we sort of um, have on this podcast, or um, who should we go and study? The brands. Um, in terms of like um, any any experts or any resources to, to learn um, community building and organic, the building an organic presence. Uh, look, uh, I would love to know who can teach the the formula for organic because we just have seen and we played this game over the last years, and it's just a constant changing game because of the algorithms and the platforms. We've, we're in the era that tick, uh, sorry, Instagram was great organic and then it was not. And it was just off the face that Facebook was great organic because they changed the algorithm and then it was not. And then came Instagram for a period of time and then it was not. And now it's TikTok and um, um, Pinterest was also a good, uh, good at some point, but uh, overall, uh, I don't have a resource that you can uh, really look at and say this is a, this is an expert on organic growth. I do have brands that uh, I have worked in the past, and they are doing a fantastic job either at community building with Facebook groups, or actually the channels uh, themselves, um, TikTok and Instagram. Mm, interesting, super super interesting. Great. Um, you spoke to, speaking to um, tech stacks and um, retention, um, I noticed that GoCase does run on Ometra. Is, is that the case or um, was that the case? Or do you have experience Ometria, with Ometra? Yeah, we definitely use it. Yeah. It's uh, one of our preferred. Yeah. It's your CRM, your e-commerce CRM. How does it compare to, to the likes of like Clavio? Well, um, like 
Clayview is that type of platform that gives you integration with everything, right? Is the Shopify of uh, of uh, of CRM. So it's an easy plug and play. Um, a lot of people use it. So if you want to to collaborate with other people from the industry, it's a very easy software. Uh, but the Ometria uh, we see as the specialized type of software um, to really get a lot of CRM. So there's a lot of data analytics from Ometria that we can extract. I mean, we're using using Ometria for customer data analysis with tools that. Like we try to find standardized tools to do the same, but they can't. And Omitia goes there and analyzes the, the, the customer really well. So we're able to segment and understand better about uh, customer analytics just because of Omitria. So uh, definitely we use Omitria as our main channel for GoCase, uh, for instance, because GoCase is a custom platform. It's not on Shopify. Um, and uh, we see it as a, as a fantastic uh, tool uh, that has very specialized uh, features. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Let's jump finally into the data and tech stack. Um, you know, overview and in, in 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 your growth plan. What do you, do you go through first? You know, zero first. You know, third party data. Um, what does a, a refined, standardized tech stack look like in in the context of, of all of that of data and um, you know performance of, of, of yeah store? so we can we can segment in a couple of uh, topics right we need uh, the right yeah. the right tool for attribution we need the right tool for uh, reporting um, and we also need uh, the right apps to amplify certain features or certain uh, actions we want in the website, right? So when we think about attribution, we've played a lot with different softwares and we trade a lot of different attribution windows. Uh, uh, and we are comfortable right now with Triple Whale. We really love how the product is built and uh, how is it uh, helping us not to have analysis paralysis. So we really uh, like the attribution of triple whale um, and how it's aligning mm-hmm. after you because we'd run this test as well after we spent a certain amount of money we see the alignment between the facebook data and the triple whale data um, so we are very uh, yeah confident that uh, triple whale for attribution is good because then we can actually put all the channels together and have the right the, the right ways to to compare them all yeah um Mm-hmm. When we look about reporting, uh, I have to say this is still, we had to build a lot of internal reporting uh, via Data Studio. So I don't know if you have ever heard of Google Data Studio, but we, yeah. we built several ways to create uh, customizable reports, integrating data, different data sources, and have a really good reporting uh, um, uh, outlook on, on different dimensions of the website. So uh, we connect Google Analytics, we connect uh, different tools to Data Studio, and we are able to have uh, really quick snapshots of the most important dimensions to analyze in the website and on the customer. Yeah. So reporting, we use Data Studio. Uh, and then application-wise, there are so many different uh, apps that are complementary uh, um, to understand a, a store. And when you're on Shopify, it's so much easier. But for instance, apps like Lifetimely, it's a very simple app. Like I cost... I don't know, 50, uh, 50, 50 bucks above one. And it gives you very good, uh, actionable insights about repurchase, cohorts, so on and so forth. Um, when we think about uh, pop-ups, uh, one very easy one that we always use is Opting Monster as well. We use this one to, it gives a lot of flexibility to try out uh, uh, different uh, uh, pop-ups and, and strategies. So basically, th- there's a, a lot of small apps that are complementary to run the business and that uh, give a lot of value for for uh, very low cost. Okay, makes makes sense, makes sense. And then um, you, you spoke to CRMs and um, you know the the need to 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 to, to segment. What about customer data? Are you into like um, you know zero party data through surveys and and questionnaires or um, you know through through um, yeah, through surveys or questionnaires. For sure. Um, it's really, really, really important to implement post-purchase surveys to have a constant flows to gather data and insights from the customers and also as a validation for your attribution. Yeah. So one of the things we had to learn over the years as new players came in like TikTok and we couldn't really figure out from the attribution side if they were really working a simple where have you met us uh, um, post-purchase survey 
clearly identifying which channel people found us, uh, we could really pinpoint the amount of spend we had in a day or the amount of spend we had in a week in a certain platform. And the percentage of customers who said that they have met us through TikTok, through Snapchat, or through Facebook. Yeah. So the simple things like this are super important to be implemented. Plus, of course, open direct feedback from customers to say, uh, why have you chose us? Why? Uh, what do you like about us? What should we change? Uh, how did you hear about us? Would you recommend uh, uh, our product uh, to other to, to other people? So having the star ratings and the NPS is super important to have as a feedback loop to constantly improve the product and the experience. But I cannot emphasize uh, enough how how many interpreters are not really thinking about getting a constant flow or a constant loop of information from the customers with post-purchase surveys. Mm-hmm. Super, super interesting. And um, I think our, our favorite is Faring, um, which Faring.co. Right. Um, I guess this, this is it. No, this is super, um, like very, very privileged to, to have you on, Neil. Um, really, really, really interesting stuff here. Um, just going to end this segment of the podcast to to say um, to ask you one more question, which is: twenty twenty three. There have been a lot of headwinds. Things are getting better for sure, as, as I'm seeing. Um, what is your number one strategy for navigating um, the, these otherwise um, quite tumultuous um, waters of um, twenty twenty three? You know, for us, every year is the same thing. Every year, there's a every year there's something that happens. You know, uh, if it's not Facebook increasing the prices, then it's Apple releasing iOS updates, then it's Corona, then it's that. There's always something like with ecom. There's always something changing the game, and it almost feels like every quarter there's some big event that changes the game. But uh, overall, uh, if you are paranoid about what can happen uh, later on throughout the year, so you keep yourself always alert. What are we testing? What are the new things? What are people talking about? Which podcasts can we hear and and, and get more experts' uh, knowledge? Which blogs? Uh, which Twitter threads? Like, if you're paranoid about that, you're constantly testing new things. You're constantly having a new concept to work on. And then you're just more prepared whenever a, a, a new uh, um, possible death threatening uh, event happens in e-com you're in a better state. That's the only thing you can do because you cannot control the the big tech companies and what decision-making they have. Uh, you just have to adhere with what's going to happen, but you can be more or less prepared, right? That's how we think about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good, sounds good. Okay, so this segment of the show is, is the rapid-fire lightning round. I'm going to ask you six to seven questions, and if you could use a single sentence to answer each of them, you'd be A-OK. All right. What has been the most meaningful business contact of yours in the last five years? Who's meaningful? It's my partner, Rafael. Is the all right? Okay. Are you a morning person? Yes, I have to say so. Yeah, I like mornings. Um, yep. What does your morning routine look like? Oh, it's it's my way to get zen. Uh, I spend at least one hour. I wake up a little bit earlier and I spend at least one hour playing with my kids. I have, uh, I have twins of two years old and this is my, oh. my time to focus on them and, uh, having a relaxed, uh, relaxed start of the day. Fantastic. Fantastic. Are you into sports? Yeah. Uh, love football, uh, soccer. Or sorry, we are in okay. a British uh, a British podcast, right? Yeah. So it's football with, with a US audience and the, and the UK. So yeah, soccer football. Soccer football. Um, what is your favorite team or athlete, and why? <sighs> favorite athlete. Um, there have been so so many uh, inspiring idols, um, but one that really strikes me after I. I'm not even I'm not even a basketball fan, but after uh, seeing that Michael Jordan documentary, and I, I went through a lot of, of of yeah of time trying to investigate more, and it's just the mentality, the winning mentality is such such inspiring that uh, I have to say that from from everything I've seen, that was the the most impactful uh, uh, yeah uh, kind of personality in sports that I could think of. 
Mm-hmm. What two things can't you live without? Two things I cannot live without. <laughs> my kids, my wife. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What book are you currently reading or listening to? Yeah, so this is one I'm actually rereading. I love to reread this one uh, every time uh, you have to, to. You're in a different situation. Uh, the hard thing about hard things. So I think I've mm-hmm. reread this uh, the, this book several times. But it's always when you're in a in a in different uh, months or, or phases throughout the years is a nice book to reread. Mm. Finally, what's been your best mistake to date? That mean that by that I mean a setback that's given you the biggest feedback. Hiring poorly. So um, hiring has taught me a lot uh, of how to try to find A players. So that's the biggest insight. Uh, It's not about hiring. It's not about hiring just intelligent people. It's about hiring A players that have a culture fit with you. Leonardo, it's been a pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast. Now, for people who want to find out more about Jump, Jump Ventures, they will head over to jumpventures.co. Are you and Raphael active on, on any social media platforms if people want to sort of, you know, intimately connect with you? Yes. Um, well, mostly on LinkedIn. So you're free to to connect with us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message. And for every every uh, interpreter that listens to the podcast, uh, they are in the six-figure range. They would like to grow. They don't know how. And they uh, would love to have a second opinion. We are there in jumpventures.co. Uh, just have to fill in the, the the intake form and come and talk to us. And that's totally pro bono, free of charge. We are we are taking a look at your business, maybe helping you with a coaching program uh, later on. But uh, yeah, just uh, go to the website and come talk to us. Incredible. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Kunle. Happy to be here. Yeah.